Hi Banta fam, welcome to a new episode. It's your host, Shalom Ititimeni Charles. I can't breathe. These were the words that jumped off my phone screen as I scrolled through Instagram a few days ago. Only a few weeks ago, the cry was, exercising while black shouldn't be a death sentence. Is this what being black in America is all about? Well, on today's episode, I'm joined by a dear friend to share her experience and her thoughts on what being black in America is to her. Stay tuned. Hi, welcome to Quarantine Series. I'm so, so glad to finally have you. Can you introduce yourself? Tell the listeners a bit about who you are. Um, my name is Kamara. Uh, I'm a chemical engineering major. I live in Maryland, USA, but I grew up in Nigeria, Port Harcourt, with Shalom, actually. We I know, right? School. We went to primary school. We went yep. to secondary school together. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we've, we've been, we, yeah, you're, you're basically part of my childhood. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> okay yeah. so um today's topic we're talking about being black in america i know you moved to america like when was that i think 2014 2015 when exactly i think it was 2015 because yeah it was 2015 because i took a year off okay so what led to you going to america where um i know your fa- was it just school or you were like migrating fully to go live there. I think that was the case. Yeah. So my dad has been here for a while or had been here for a while. Um, but low key, they just wanted us to go to school in Nigeria. Like at the end of the day, that's what this that whole thing was about. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when my older sister finished school, she moved. And then when I finished Nobody had the energy to wait for my little brother to finish. So we just all then moved, moved here. Together. How has it been like since you moved? But what were your thoughts or your premonitions about how America will be? And has it fit into that idea since you have been there? Oh, 100%. I think have we glamorize abroad a lot in Nigeria. I think I'm in that boot. I am still in that (laughs) boot. No, don't get me wrong. Um, There are, of course, some amenities here that we like in Nigeria. But Mm -hmm. when you come here, there's nothing you knew you'll see. Like, Mm -hmm. everything that's here, we have in Niger. Like, straight up. I remember landing in the airport, you know. They give us this idea that, oh, there are no potholes you know, mm-hmm. roads are completely paved all the time. Um, so, like, I think we arrived at the airport. My dad picked us up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started our ride here. And I was just like, okay, like, I'm waiting <laughs> for something. Like, something to blow my mind. or, or something. Because we were going through potholes. We were going through construction. Like, and some of those construction are still going on. And I, mm-hmm. I came here in 2015. It's 2020, man. Like, five years <laughs> later, their construction is still going on. Mm. Um, that same place, too. It's not like, oh, we've moved. Anywho, um, I think I definitely did glamorize it a little bit. Um, more than oh, more than it should have been. More than a, a billion times over than it should have been. Because 
I arrived here. We came. We got to the house. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I was just, I don't know what I was looking for. I was looking for something that would, you know, just validate that glamorization. And I think it also has mm. to do with where in America you go to. So the places in America that we see okay. on TV, that's LA. And maybe a little bit of New York. And talk, you're talk as much. the mm. cities. Like not not even just like, oh, you're seeing though that's how the whole of LA is. No, LA is mostly desert. But you're seeing like they show you like these beautiful lights and all of that stuff. But those are like that's like mm. that's less than one eighth of that particular city. Let's not even talk about America. Like you're they're showing mm. you places that are like that because of okay, like maybe movies. Sometimes the things we even see in movies are not mm. even the place. They're both sets. But anywho, um I think I was just looking for that. Maryland is not that kind of place. Maryland is residential. It's and it's dangerous. I, I live in Baltimore. Like if you uh, if you know anything about Baltimore, Baltimore is the ghetto. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I guess I guess it's not it's not the part I live in is the residential area, so it's not as crazy. But the city okay. is the actual ghetto. Like straight up ghetto. Okay. So I saw your post on Instagram that gosh was so deep and it really touched somewhere in me and I'm just going to read it out. It said I I am scared, scared for my brother, scared for my cousins, scared for the little black boys I see on the streets. I am scared that a white person or a cop will see them and fear for their own life and safety. I am scared because they can't wear a mask to protect themselves from the virus of racism. I am frustrated that the perpetrators of this crime may go unpunished like the ones before them. Frustrated that the government has refused to make legislation to protect us from the evils as such as this. Frustrated that nothing is being done to make sure that this does not keep happening. I am sorry that we have to go through this what seems like every day. I'm sorry that those who swore to protect us are prancing around with our blood on their hands. That hit a chord when I read, and it was in the heat of the whole news of um, the Judge Floyd and everything, and mm-hmm. the I can't breathe yeah. whole scenario that played up. I want to ask, because the topic is um, being black in America, how has it been being black in America? Um, there's a lot of things we take for granted when we're in Nigeria. There's a whole mm. bounty of things we take for granted in Nigeria. When I moved here, I didn't know what racism mm-hmm. was. I didn't know it even existed to this extent in America. Because again, mm. we glamorize the abroad. So we don't necessarily start, like I think now social media has made it in a way where we can't even, we can't, like you can't not see it. Yeah. Yes. So it's everywhere. It's better now. Like everyone can see that this is a bad thing. But when when we were growing up, we didn't necessarily see as much. Mm. They were those conversations high. were not there. <laughs> so uh, when I moved here, and people were talking about it, I'm like, 
I was like, no, y'all are, y'all are just like, y'all are making it, it's not that deep. Like, a lot of things that they would, when you don't grow up with racism, you are, you are just like, you just mm-hmm. don't see it. It's just, then there's nothing the other person will try to make you say, see that you will really understand until you experience it. Now, that first experience is such an eye-opener. Um, so, like, I, mm-hmm. I moved here, and I, 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 it, was, it was very difficult, uh, assimilating with everything, because it's a completely different system. And how I, I think I was, what, 16, about to turn 17. So I, I, it took a while for me to get to really understand a lot of stuff. Entering public transportation, you know the things that you don't really think about in Nigeria, like as a, you don't. Ha- I I mean, when I lived in Nigeria, I didn't I didn't enter bus not not because we had money like that though, but mostly because my mom was overprotected. But when I came here, you can't be overprotected. Like, bro, mm-hmm. I got things to do. So, <laughs> so I remember I ended I entered the bus one day coming back from school because I was still living with my parents at the time um and on my way back I met this uh I met this black lady mm-hmm. and she we sat down on the bus together and I mean you know we're Nigerian so we have a lot of respect for older people so she she came into the bus and mm-hmm. yes you know I think I had my purse on my side so I immediately I saw her I stood up um and I wanted to scoot in. She was like, no, 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 it's fine. She would scoot in. So she scooted in and, you know, I sat down and, you know, we started having a conversation. She was like, oh, I see you're um, coming back from college. That's good. That's great. You know, um, I love seeing black kids um, going to school. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. She was like, exactly. And she was like, how old? <laughs> now, at this time, I hadn't even turned 17 yet. So I was 16 and I was like, yeah, I'm 16. And she was like, and you're in college here. You have to be, most most people are 18 when they graduate high school. So she was like, wow, you're mm-hmm. 16, you're in college. That's great. That's awesome. Um, where, how are your grades? I was like, they're fine and good. And she was like, oh. And then she was like, okay. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I lived in Nigeria and that's where I had high school. And, you know, that's why I'm 16 and I'm in college. And she's like, Oh, and I was like, okay. <laughs> At this one, I was like, what's what's mm-hmm. going on? exactly? Something was something coming. was she coming. Was like, well, I'm sorry, but you speak English so great. I didn't think you were from anywhere that wasn't Nigeria. Um, felt, immediately I felt that this is an educational moment, and I was like, well, the first language in Nigeria is English. Um, majority of the population there speaks English and she was like oh and she was like well what's the second language I was like French she was like that's interesting I was like yes it is <laughs> it is quite interesting and mm. then we moved on to a whole conversation and then you know she was quiet for a little bit and then she was like do your parents speak English um again I, I felt it was an educational moment but that was my first bout with someone looking at me or hearing about me and feeling like I don't necessarily like this is interesting and from her it was coming from a place of ignorance Mm -hmm. 
And you can see that she was eager to really understand mm-hmm. that, wow, I did know that, you know, Africa is not the way it's being portrayed, you know? Um, but that was with a black woman and it was obviously mm-hmm. ignorance and she was very willing to learn. Fast forward, actually, recently, um, I had a very interesting conversation with someone, with a, a white kid. Like I said, I'm a chemical engineering major. One thing about engineering is it's not a very, uh, it, it, it's quite white. <laughs> chemical engineering, to put it, to put it simply, <laughs> to put it simply, it's quite white and it's quite male. So it's quite white male, which is, um, it's very, yeah. it's kind of difficult to navigate. Now, mm-hmm. when you're in chemical engineering and you're a black female, I literally have to scream every day just to be heard and this is me in college right this is me in college and mm-hmm. i would walk i would walk into a room and someone looks at me and they're like oh what's your major and when i say i'm, I'm chemical engineering they're like oh i remember when i was a sophomore when i was like just starting my chemical engineering degree i walked into a room it was actually a conference an engineering conference and there's this room of, you know, I think it was it was mostly white guys. And one of them looked at me when I walked in and they were like, oh, <laughs> what's your major? As a joke, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm chemical engineering. And he's mm-hmm. like, really? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, what, what year are you? And I was like, oh, I'm a sophomore. He was like, oh, that makes sense. And I was like, what does that mean? He's like, it doesn't mean anything. I'm like, no, it definitely means something. Are you trying to say that I'm not going to complete this major because I'm what a black female? And he was like, whoa, whoa, don't make this about race. I'm like, okay, so I could, I should make it about sex because it's definitely, it has to do with something because you don't know anything about me. I haven't spoken to you before. You haven't heard words from my mouth, mm-hmm. but you have looked at me and you've judged me. And you believe that I'm not smart enough to be in the major that I'm in. And he's just mm-hmm. like, no, like you're, you're, t- you're making it too deep. But this, is, this isn't too deep. This is literally what we face every day. Or I walk into a room and someone looks at me and like, oh, you got here. Or they look at me like with, a, with like, oh, you're, you're here because, you know, you're, try- you're fulfilling a diversity requirement. One of my friends literally had that spoken to them to their face in their work, in their place of work. Like, a white girl looked at him and was like, you're just fulfilling a diversity requirement. You're not here because of your degree. It's not because you're smart. It's not because, you know, you worked hard. It's because you're fulfilling a diversity. Like, what? We're just not going to take into consideration that I needed to get a degree to even be in this position. We're just going to skip and be like, no, you're here because you're here to fulfill a diversity requirement. That's how deep-seated it is. It's not about just people walking in the streets. I feel like a lot of people think that if you play your cards right as a Black person, you know, you won't get shot, you won't get killed, mm-hmm. you won't get haunted. But, you know, more every day we see that that's not the case. It's not... You see people just basically living their lives in their exactly. house and then they are being shot. We see people like, um, what's his name? The, the one guy who told the woman to put a leash on your dog because that's literally the rules here. 
And this woman picks up her phone, calls 911, and is screaming that this man is threatening her life. With tears streaming down her face. And it's just, it's mind-blowing. It's simply mind-blowing. And that man went to Harvard. See, it's not about qualification. It's not about any of that stuff. If it was just about that, there wouldn't be as many deaths. People like Judge Floyd, Mm -hmm. people like Ahmaud Aubrey, like those are people who we saw video. Think about all the people where there's no video, where no one took, no one was there to take the video. Mm. In normal workplaces, in school, in just living your regular life, and you're feeling so put down by just the words, the body movements of other Mm -hmm. other humans, like and it's not even just that; it also affects like the probability of you getting a job, the probability of you moving forward in your life. Like, it's not just a, a streets thing. Like, these people are... It's, it's almost like you're being forced to stay in the situation that you're in. Right? Like, even the people mm-hmm. who... The people who we're talking about, the people who... Let's even say it's just in the streets, which we obviously have come to the conclusion is obviously not... Let's say it's even just in the streets. These people are finding it even difficult to excel in life, to get out of the streets. Right? Judge Floyd was turning his life around. He had had a couple of arrests, mm-hmm. and arrests stay on your record. Arrests mean that you probably not get a job anywhere because it's on your record. Every job, every workplace does a background check, and mm-hmm. no one wants to hire a felon or someone who's been in prison before. But this man was literally trying to change his life around. He he volunteered in different places. He was a, an overall okay citizen. After all the arrests, after all, he came out and he said, I wanted to do, I want to do better. And he ends up getting killed. This is not even a, oh, it was a mistake. Oh, I was scared of my life. Like, there's no excuse, but watch them make one. Y'all, y'all are going to see because I can't breathe. You know the shirts, I can't breathe. Those words that he said were yes, also said yes. by another black man mm-hmm. who was killed, who was held in a, a, a chokehold by a policeman until he died. It's the same thing. The only difference is now we have cameras. And I think we constantly have to make people aware that black lives matter. Like, it's a conversation that will continue going on because... You think you've seen it all, and then next, something, another thing pops up that is worse or more disheartening than the previous one, and you're like, wow, wow. I might be skewed in my thinking, but I don't know. I mean, I hope, but I don't know how possible it is for racism to disappear in America. I say this not because I'm not hopeful. My hope reduced... Because initially I was like, okay, at some point, you know, these older white men, these supremacists will be gone, right? And, you know, the white kids of today are more, you know, enlightened. That's what I felt. I felt like my generation of white kids are a little bit better. Like, they're better. Like, they don't, they're not, they're not all, they're not mostly supremacists. Like, I, I, I really felt in my heart at some point in my life that, Racism will at some point cease because all of them will die. Like a generational thing. Like their generation will phase <laughs> out. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would translate into answering the, the last question. What are your final words, people listening, concerning racism that Black people have had um, to face? There's something my mom used to say when we were growing up. This is just the words of your typical African mother. She used to say, make your house good so that if at any point someone chases you out of their house, you have a place to run to. I, I, I don't want to be divisive. I don't think that's that's the solution. However, there's a sense of confidence that comes from having a well, a good society to go back home. And I think that's the problem. And that's what a lot of these white supremacists see and have confidence that they can do whatever they want with us. If we have a wonderful, a good, a good black nation, a successful black mm-hmm. nation, I think racism would be reduced to a good level. And, and I say this because it's just like my mom said, these people know that we, like, there's no place for you to go to. That's why they have the effrontery. That's why they think they are above us. There is no in-their-face example of a... Because it's like you were running away from your house, someone else's mm-hmm. house for like a better life, and then they are if they know, if, if they know coming down your, on you. your house is not good, they can do whatever they want with you. They don't have respect for you. Mm-hmm. I get that. They don't see you as an equal. No, you're in my house. And and white supremacists make mm. it very obvious that this America is their house. Even black Americans are not in their house. They don't feel at home in this place. I get where you're coming from. But like you said, at the end of the day, that's not really the solution. Because at the end of the day, at, because no one can survive as an island. We can't all just stay in our houses. At some no, point, we have to one, just 100%. come together and mix I up. I don't think. I don't think it's. So I, I think, think the point is. I don't think we need to segregate ourselves. No, 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 no. However, mm. like I said, it, it it doesn't stop you from going to the other person's house. It just means that the other person sees you in a different light. Why we see a lot of the people who protest a lot of the white people who protest who are out there for us they became like that because they saw black people that they could respect they, they saw a different definition of what their maybe supremacist parents told them black people were it's not a humanitarian thing like i i mean yes now it is but think about the people who had parents who were racist who owned slaves. Think about those people. If they were brought up the exact same mm. way, why do they now believe that Blacks should have power? It's a psychology thing. Mm. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that's going to solve racism forever, but I'm just saying that we should work towards that, that that's something to look forward to. We need to be able to have our own thing. We need to be able to develop our own states because at the end of the day, like, Think about racism in in and of, in and of its own. Like, it takes a lot to stop an adult from believing what he believes in, and sometimes it's even it's sometimes it's ignorance and sometimes it's unconscious. 
a lot of times it's unconscious, right? Right? It's just, I think it's a psychological thing. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, we've protested. We've done the violent protests. We've done the peaceful protests. We've done the try to educate, <laughs> as, as my friend would, would call it. We, we've done all of that. We've done all of that. However, when people still see me, they see my skin color and they, and they think I don't belong. I mean, I just, I just saw a video of these three black entrepreneurs who, 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 who work in a particular building. They're trying to work out in their, in their building gym. And this white man comes and tells them that they don't belong. And he calls the cops that these people are not where they're supposed to be. Like, bro, you, and mind you, it's not an open gym. This is a gym that you need a key card to get into. So if I'm in there, obviously mm-hmm. I have a key card. But he still doesn't believe that they have a key card. So he calls the cops. Because these black kids are where they're not supposed to be. Why are you black? And- well, I think at yeah. the end of the day, it's them coming to the point of just having respect for humans. I mean, no, at the end of the day, not everybody might understand or buy into the idea of treating other people equally. But they should at least have the respect not to um, put it out there in their faces. Man, this, it's just, it's, it's sad and it's, it's just, it's, it's mostly sad. <laughs> like, it's mostly sad. Because I think about it every day that I walk outside. I think about it when I see kids. I think about it when I look at my little brother, like, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. I hope we can all do better. I, I really hope we can. I really hope we can. And I keep saying this, and I want some people to also understand, this is not all white people. It's it's really not. Mm-hmm. It's really not. It's not. It's not because of their skin color. It's because of who they are, as in, we, mm. we also need to be able to see above the skin color. Wait for the person to spew the nonsense from their mouth first. Don't judge them because they're white. That's that's not their fault. What what we can judge them on is is their is what they believe in and their character and their character, character. exactly. Because mm-hmm. it's it's not a white people against black people thing. It's a racist against black people thing. Mm, that that no that yeah it's so just weird. not it's hard to see that don't don't get me wrong it's very it's very difficult to see that especially when you're constantly racially profiled racial profiling is a is a big thing and you see it almost wherever you go as a black person so it's kind of difficult to believe that it's not all white people that's why people have that's why a lot of black people have a very hard time believing it's not all white people. But it's really not. It's just not. It's hard to see that, but it's not. I guess this is this is this could be my my departing thoughts is as much as we fight and protest and pray that the government can finally see what we're talking about, especially when it comes to police brutality. Mm-hmm. I think police brutality is the is the scariest one because they're supposed to be protecting you. These are the people that are mm. supposed to be protecting you. And being so scared. Being so scared. And I- I'm not even kidding you. I haven't done nothing terrible in my life. I've not, I've not done anything that would ever want cops. 
But when I'm driving and I see a cop, I get a little yes, sense of exactly, apprehension. Exact word, sense of apprehension. And I've done nothing wrong. I'm driving the speed limit. I always use my turn signs. I I obey every law. However, it's just there's so many people who did the exact same thing but still somehow ended up dead. So still, whenever mm-hmm. I see the cop, I'm still a little bit apprehensive. I'm still a lot apprehensive and that's that's not what it should be that's not what it should be at all thank you so much for taking out time to share your point of view and just talk about this very Mm -hmm. sensitive topic hopefully we can all move past this and do better (laughs) now i hope we can i can't breathe i am being suffocated by a country that sees me as only but a threat. I can't breathe. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination 100 years later the negro lives on a lonely island of poverty i have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal That one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today.